Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Live for Thursday, October 26, 2017. I'm Rob Zinka, and I serve as Associate Vice President for Marketing at Indiana University. Beautiful fall day here in Bloomington, Indiana. The AMA Symposium for the Marketing of Higher Education is less than one month away. The conference is November 12th through the 15th in Atlanta, and it is the place to be for higher ed marketers. Today, we're going to hear all about it and get you ready for this year's AMA Higher Ed. But first, a reminder that Marketing Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. We invite you to be a part of our live broadcast with your comments and your questions. You can participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using the Higher Ed Live hashtag. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner. Are you looking to improve your institution's digital marketing strategy and execution? To be successful, today's higher ed marketer must make data-driven decisions and connect digital performance back to strategic and financial goals. Educate your entire team on the latest digital marketing strategies and trends on December the 6th during M. Stoner's Digital Marketing for Higher Education online conference. We'll be tweeting out a link, so take a look and learn more about the upcoming conference. And thanks, of course, to the American Marketing Association for its partnership for today's broadcast. We hope that you're planning to attend the AMA Symposium for the Marketing of Higher Education. And we'll also tweet out a link to all of the AMA Higher Ed conference details. So I'm delighted to welcome our guests and look forward to seeing them in Atlanta soon, beginning with Paige Booth, who is Vice President for Marketing and Communications, or I'm sorry, Marketing and Enrollment Management at St. Edwards University, and she is Conference Co-Chair for AMA Higher Ed this year. Paige, great to have you with us. Welcome. Good morning, Rob. I guess it's afternoon for some of us. <laughs> Either works, yes. <laughs> and Julie Zito is Assistant Vice President, University Marketing at American University, and she'll be giving a presentation at the conference about marketing and communications operations and structures, and we'll take a look into her topic for the conference. Julie, nice to meet you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we know your, your title, your institution, but would like to go a little bit deeper and help listeners get to know you a little bit better. So I'd like to ask to, uh, to explore and, and look into something from your professional journey that perhaps has had a, a lasting impact in terms of shaping your career or shaping your philosophy. And let's start, Paige, with, with you. Anything, a specific experience or something from your professional story that has impacted you? <laughs> um, okay, so um, if you were to look at my bio, you'd notice that um, I started my career in advertising. And um, then I went client-side and I jumped um, from sector to sector. I worked in uh, financial marketing and in um, technology marketing and now I'm in higher ed marketing but um, I always have a soft spot in my heart for uh, for advertising because that's where I started but also because um, one of my um, favorite um, faculty members um, in when I was in school was my advertising professor um, for several semesters and uh, she was a mentor to all of us and really helped us get our start in the industry and get internships and get job placements and so um, it's been, needless to say, a few years since I've seen her. Well, fast forward to last year's AMA conference, and um, 
at the conference, the um, the chair of the American Marketing Association came to make a few remarks, and lo and behold, it was my same professor, uh, Dr. Valerie Zeit-Hamill. And so I think my message here is that um, you paths continue to cross all throughout your career, and um, that oftentimes opens doors sometimes to new to new possibilities. Um, so it's great to keep in touch with people, and um, I just uh, I just think it, at the end of the day, it's always just a small world. It is, and you especially realize that at AMA each year. So, Julie, how about you? Anything from your uh, your professional journey that has stuck with you and served as a, a major influence over the years? Yeah, I think um, I when you asked us this question, I was sort of thinking about my very first boss. Shout out to uh, Tom Burke. Um, I worked for many years, um, not in higher ed, but in entertainment marketing. I worked at Discovery Communications, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. Um, and my very first boss, there was my first job out of college. I thought I'd hit the jackpot. I got to work at Discovery Channel and, you know, I was walking around the building looking for the hyenas and lions. And, um, and Tom said to me that his job was, in terms of his mentorship of me, was to make sure I outgrew that job. And that um, his success, my success was his success. And that has really stayed with me. And as a manager, it's something that um, I've just always carried with me, this idea that while you are on my team, and obviously um, there are things we need to do together and work that needs to get done, if you outgrow this role, then I've been successful in helping you to grow. And um, so that's kind of a, a guiding um, principle that I have in from a management style that I took from Tom many years ago. So, Awesome. What a great perspective to have. And Binti, great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I um, am in my hotel room in Denver, so I just wanted to make sure you know I am working. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> resting despite the two beds behind me. <laughs> well, really appreciate you being able to make this work, and uh, so nice to see you again. And I will uh, do a formal introduction of Binti. Binti Harvey is Vice President for Marketing and Communications at Scripps College, and she serves on the AMA Conference Committee. So, Binti, I'll ask the same question of you in terms of your distinguished career and something that has influenced you and, and perhaps your philosophy over the years as you look back on a, again, a specific experience, mentor, or perhaps something else? So, you know, I've had a really kind of non-traditional and I would say circuitous route to my current position and to marketing and, and higher ed marketing in particular. And um, having started in journalism and then moved on to politics and serving as a lobbyist for years and a uh, press secretary for elected officials um, prior to going into um, um, sort of K-12 education and then higher ed. It's, you know, really been my experience that um, I, I have to sort of trust myself to take these small leaps of faith and take risks um, in terms of, of trying new um, careers and, and embracing new opportunities and not being limited by um, sort of my past experience, but actually looking at that as a, a launch pad for being able to um, take on and learn new things. And I think that's that's a really critical um, lesson and perspective to bring particularly to marketing work, both because the industry is always changing so quickly, but also because that um, sort of willingness to take risks is where creativity and innovation um, resides. And so um, whenever I get sort of you know nervous about trying something new and doing something different, which can be really hard in, in higher ed sometimes where 
um, the appetite for change is not always as great as we would like it to be. Um, and so to be able to sort of look back and reflect on the risks that I've taken, the smart risks, some of which panned out and some of which didn't, um, but to know that that's sort of the way to constantly keep moving forward and growing professionally, but also um, being able to, to make an impact in whatever environment you're in. Well, terrific and appreciate each of you sharing your perspectives. And as Binti said, the industry is always changing, which makes the, the AMA Symposium for the Marketing of Higher Education so valuable and, and such a, a go-to place. And it is the largest gathering of higher ed marketers. And Paige, approximately how many will be there? How many are you expecting for this year? Well, um, the crowd gets bigger every year. So um, we anticipate we will beat our, our last record as well. Right now we have almost 1,100 people who have paid their registration and we will continue to see those come in. And as you said, in the weeks before the conference. So I'm sure we'll talk 1,200. That's great. Well, I know last year, Paige, you led a roundtable for first-time attendees. So for anyone listening who may be going to AMA Higher Ed for the first time, or maybe for someone who's on the fence who's never attended and considering going, what can someone expect at AMA Higher Ed? Why is this such a can't-miss event? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I vividly remember the first time I came to the conference. I had just been in higher ed for a year or two, and I think through, I think maybe Bob Johnson's newsletter, um, which was one of the few references back then, I heard about the conference. And when I showed up and I saw at that time there were 500 people, right? And I saw 500 other people who were doing what I was doing and were, you know, it was so exciting. And there was just a wealth of connections there. And um, so I always am careful and mindful of uh, meeting people at the conference and you know just reaching out and sit and and connecting with new people because i remember how exciting it was for me to uh, to meet uh, a, a community of colleagues and of course as it's grown it's it's just a bigger uh, network and resource and Binti, thinking about your experience with uh, the conference and i think that's a great point page because even looking at the agenda this year and i thought back to Wow, five years or so ago, the agenda I think was was probably much different, and it reflects the the evolving nature of of our work. So, Binti, tell us about your experiences with the conference over the years and uh, the the progress to then being a part of the the planning process. Yeah. Um, so I also remember my first conference um, not too long after I I began in the role of marketing director at Caltech and being somewhat overwhelmed by just the sheer size of the, the audience and the number of, of folks that were there, um, but also you know, being struck by how open and um, approachable everyone was. And, and, and also, and this has continued to, to be my experience, and I'm sure um, everyone else on the call will, will agree that there's just this willingness to share, um, to share insights and to share lessons learned and to um, really collaborate in a way that I think is is very unique in our industry. And so um, my advice to newcomers would be to, you know, engage in those conversations with the person sitting next to you in a session or, you know, take the leap of, of starting up a conversation with somebody at, a, at the reception and, you know, know that you're not the only person there who doesn't know anyone else there. And so <laughs> everyone's looking for someone to connect with um, and that in those sidebar conversations as much as in the sessions and the, the keynotes is where you really get the nuggets of wisdom and things that you can take back to your campus. Um, and so being on the committee, it's just been great to be able to 
think about um, that progression of you know those who are new to the industry, those who have been in the industry for you know decades or or longer, and to be able to think about um, how to how to create an experience that is meaningful for each of those people, and to sort of put ourselves in their shoes. And I think we have some really robust conversations because we have a committee that has that kind of diversity. Um, and so I, as a result, I think we've been able to come up with a, a great program that, that allows everyone to sort of curate their own experience. And Rob, I would just add that um, in, there are gonna be a lot of new people at the conference. Every year, there's an influx of new people. They're new to the industry. They're new to um, this particular conference. They're new in their, in their job and their role. And everyone is really eager to connect and especially if someone is presenting or if they're on the committee. So I would suggest that if you are, uh, if you're wandering around looking for somebody to talk to, as Pindy said, arrive early or stay late and chat with anybody that'll have uh, ribbons on their badge that says that they're a speaker or a vendor or um, a committee member. Um, they're quite used to people uh, stopping and asking questions and, uh, you know, asking to connect and would really welcome that. So definitely it's a welcoming group and, and certainly reach out and do that. It is, it is such a, such a great community that we're, that we're a part of. And before we get into some of the content of the, the conference with AMA Higher Ed just on the horizon, I'll, I'll ask each of you for experiences in terms of what you see from your own roles as to the trends right now in higher ed marketing and, and that could be perhaps from a strategic standpoint or it could be from an operational standpoint but what do you see from your own roles as the the key trends in higher ed and the marketing communications work that we do and Paige we'll, we'll start with you again oh, okay well so um, we, we think about the trends as we frame what the six tracks will be for the breakout sessions and you can see that kind of reflected. Some, uh, sometimes they change year over year, but there's some content, constants there, things that we are all dealing with and challenged by um, every day, year in and year out. So you'll see things like um, lots of digital content, um, a move towards content management, and people really wanted, wanting to dive into that and knowing how to do that in their area. Um, Boy, in the last year, and I think this continues on, issues management on campuses um, and doing issues management proactively to keep it from being crisis management. And that's, um, you'll see um, content around that topic at the conference. Um, and then, and I think Julie is actually gonna give a, a great session on structuring your organization and leading your organization. And, you know, she certainly, you could you can tell she's really got a focus on mentorship and growing her team. and so. Um, we try to provide um, content there because whenever marketers are together, um, we kind of understand that we have unique challenges within our teams and um, we're always looking you know, to, to learn from each other about how to organize best in what is a pretty fluid and, and changing field with a lot of um, requirements and, uh, and pulls on us. So those are a few of the, of the big things I see. Great. And Binti, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our time together at the Case Annual Conference for Marketing and Branding, and especially the opportunity to, to do a session together. From your uh, your experience with other conferences, and certainly in your your VP level role at Scripps, what are the top of mind higher ed marketing trends from your perspective? Yeah, I think you know Paige hit hit on the the ones that I would have listed as well. Um, I think what I'd add to that 
is in thinking about um, sort of digital strat strategies, um, there's this, we all recognize the great potential there. Um, and I think it's trying to figure out sort of where in that space to, to um, where, where to step into that space that's gonna really be most meaningful, meaningful for our organizations. Um, and how do we sort of, you know, decide what to tackle first and what to, what to um, um, delve into and, and, and try and understand because there's so much to absorb. And so how do we um, pick those, those right places to really engage? Um, and then I think also measurement is one that um, certainly has been on my mind and I think I'm seeing emerge as a, as a trend as well um, uh, in terms of being a place that people are interested in, both because we're being asked to be more accountable for our work and again, because we want to be able to look at where we're spending our time and how we're um, allocating usually sort of scarce resources um, and, and making sure that we're doing that in the right way and being able to show some success and um, connection to advancing the goals of our institutions. Um, and then I was on, on um, in charge of the, the leading operations and um, organizations track. And one of the things that that also emerged there is this, um, you know, focus on structures, which I, I was really excited to see the session that um, that Georgetown and American are leading together, um, because I think that's another place where, again, we're thinking about how do we, um, you know, not only continue to be effective advocates for additional resources, but how do we really reallocate and prioritize and maximize the resources that we have? And part of doing that is deploying our teams in smart ways. Um, and so thinking about the ways to sort of find the right skills, have the right people, and have them engaged in the right activities. And Julie, did we miss anything? We, we didn't ask about your conference experience or what you're looking to gain uh, in terms of uh, learning about certain trends or emerging issues, but what is, uh, what is top of mind for you? Yeah, well, I think Paige and Binti have really hit on them. I mean, what I comes to mind first is really crisis communications, or um, as Paige said, hopefully it doesn't get to that, and we're talking about issues management, but I think that that's something, certainly at our institution and many others, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't part of, um, it may have been a skill set of someone on the team, but it wasn't necessarily a focus that we had um, with the growth of social media in that space, the, the uh, pace at which we have to respond to those things, the um, pace at which they continue to grow and can something really small can become something really huge within hours. Um, that is an area that, you know, we, that the teams, I think all the universities, um, we're recognizing that we need to have not only the skills in that area, but proactive planning in that area and um, be anticipating some of these things that we see happening elsewhere uh, so that we can respond in an accurate and timely manner um, and we're not constantly in this reactive mode, um, which can lead to you know, not getting necessarily the right message out. Um, it's a thing that we have to balance, you know, the speed versus crafting exactly the right thing you want to say. And the students have an expectation now for such quick response and, um, and an honest and transparent response. And it's a, it's a mindset shift in terms of how we approach those things. Um, and then analytics, you know, on kind of the opposite side of, of crisis response is, uh, I want my data and um, what does this all mean? And we have all sorts of information now with these digital buys and, um, but what does it mean and how do we make sense of it and how do we make use of it? And, um, you know, sometimes a little bit of information can um, make things, you know, the, the vast amounts of information we have can make things more confusing. Um, so kind of managing all of that. Um, I see a lack of patience 
um, you know, we're moving into this sort of lead generation space in terms of graduate education specifically, and people, um, you know, there's a lack of patience for letting the decision process happen over time, and people are desperate to fill up the funnel and move them through to application and get them to come to the school, and, um, you know, that is all a, a shift uh, as well. So it's, we're, we're, we're trying to keep up and, um, you know, on many levels. Good point. It is hard to be patient, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And to realize that that, that uh, path is anything but linear, and sometimes we think that it's just a straightforward linear path that it is far from being. Right. It's not, you know, you're not buying a pack of gum. So. Right. <laughs> well, Paige, you had mentioned some of the tracks, and I wanted to ask about the, the sixth track, the thought leadership one, and uh, since that hasn't come up yet, and, and what you expect attendees attendees to come away from from that, and some of the things that that might be covered from the the thought leadership track, and and Binti, feel free to jump in as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you what that track is, and I think that's important for for attendees to understand. So within the the five other tracks, um, our longstanding practice is that present presentations will be given by practitioners at schools. Um, and if a vendor wants to be part of a presentation, they must do it in combination with the professional practitioner. Um, so the sixth track of thought leadership acknowledges that sometimes, many times actually, our, our vendor partners, our consultants uh, in the higher ed space have some great thought leadership that they just wanna stand up and, and present on their own. So the presentations in that track are solely by a vendor and um, so, you know, it's that's kind of what that space is reserved for. But you'll see vendors sprinkled throughout the the program everywhere. It's just that that's one where they can kind of come on on their own terms, you know, with their with their um, with their own um, content. I would just add. I think that's. Um, I think this was a, a a great move by the committee, and and it really is valuable in that. Um, these vendors often are working with a range of schools um, that have, you know, sort of uh, that, that, that vary in so many different ways. And they're able to bring sort of those best practices and those applied experiences of a range of institutions to the conversation in ways that I think make it more accessible and, um, um, and, and easily applied for, for those who are in the audience. And then as Paige said, I think also that's just, you know, they have the, the luxury often of specializing um, in an issue or, or an area that, that we as practi practitioners do not have. Um, and so I think it's a, an extremely valuable addition and I'll be interested to see how it, how it works out. Well, that reminds me, I'm sure the, the planning process is a fascinating one. So if you could, uh, two of you could take us behind the curtain a little bit in terms of what, what goes into everything as you plan the conference and think through or, or perhaps even some of the issues that you wrestle with as you try to put together the very best possible programming for 1200 plus higher ed marketers. <laughs> well, you really hit it on the head there because it's 1200 people at different um, levels in their career at different types of organizations with different kinds of roles. And we want this conference, which is the biggest one for, for our profession and our industry to offer you know, a, a smorgasbord of potential learning, right? Um, something for everybody, but that's tricky. Um, and so we have a lot of um, dialogue within the committee about how to have uh, content for public universities, content related to private universities, small schools, larger schools, 
um, business schools, medical uh, schools with a medical bent, you know, on and on, lots of different um, needs and constituencies there. So we, um, when we craft the tracks and then open them up uh, with a call for proposals, we try to, um, we're looking for all of those uh, possibilities to be met and delivered. So you can always find at least one thing. I think the great news is that most people at AMA tell me that uh, when they're at the conference that they they have a tough time choosing between two or three things in a set in a track, you know, in an hour that they want to go to. So it's an abundance of, uh, of riches, hopefully. Um, so we, we try to um, balance all of that out across those, um, those five or six themes. And then we um, I would say, you know, we kind of approach the conference with three things, three things we hope you're gonna walk away with. The first being um, through our, our keynote speakers, you're getting some inspiration, right? They're, they're talking at a very high level, thought leadership level. Um, sometimes it turns out, um, and very fortunately so, that they're very much on the cusp of something that's a breaking issue. And um, so that's wonderful, and that energizes the room. Um, the second thing is we want you to walk away with, actionable take-home things that you can um, use to um, just infuse into your day-to-day -day work. So that's where the, the track sessions by, by your fellow practitioners are, are really helpful. We're always looking in those nominations for key learning takeaways that people can take home and use, but they'll get those too from going into the, um, into the vendor area and talking with all the different um, organizations and companies that are there. You can take away little practical nuggets there as well. And in fact, it may be a great place to be comparing different vendors for something that you may be, um, you may be looking for. And then I'd say the third piece that we hope you take away from AMA is the networking piece, the ability to connect with others. Um, so those are, um, that we're, we're always thinking about all three of those things together. Um, but Benty, maybe you could pr provide a little bit more like play by play on you know, how we go through that. Yeah, I think um, um, Paige and our other co-chair, Heather, really um, have done a great job of, of creating and clarifying what the vision is for the conference this year and sort of giving us the parameters so that when we came in and, and sorted through how many proposals, Paige? Oh, at least 200. Yeah. Um, and so it made that sorting process easier. And I really would say that um, the quality of the, of the sessions um, that were proposed really ruled our conversations. And so um, there's even, you know, some sort of horse trading that happens <laughs> um, where, you know, uh, one track may be filled, but there's, but there's um, this, you know, one session that just looks so compelling. And so we will, you know, sort of barter and, and, and try and encourage our, our colleagues on the other track to consider including it in theirs. Or if there's one that we think is really great that doesn't belong in ours, then we'll, we'll you know, sort of hand that off. And so there's a lot of, um, of sort of flexibility and agility as well, but it's really all in service of trying to make sure that the attendees have the best experience possible. And, and we're not just sort of, okay, we have eight slots and we're just going to fill them with, you know, whatever we think is, um, um, you know, sort of the most typical content, but there really are some thoughtful uh, discussions about about what's going to give people the, the best um, experience and what's going to be different from what they might get elsewhere. And so it's, it's really a... Um, collaborative and, and lively uh, process, I would say, behind, behind the curtains. <laughs> yes, um, and all wrapped up with a very lovely dinner. Yes, fine. <laughs> <laughs> all very the best nice. thinking. 
Well, and thinking back to last year's conference and Richard Edelman's keynote, that was it was interesting in that it it really set the tone for the conference and was a bit of a wake up call in in terms of his assessment about the the public faith in American institutions and and served as a, a frame, if you will, for the rest of the conference and, and thinking through that that lens. So I was curious, and I'll start with you, Benty, what you think the, the tone will be of this conference and, and regarding the outlook that marketers may have, because on one, one hand, we have all of these challenges that we're facing. Julie mentioned some of them uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, unprecedented challenges, but uh, on the other side, it is uh, a period of, of change, but of also enormous opportunity for all of us. So there's uh, a lot of reason to be optimistic, too. Yeah. Um, I think opportunity is, is the key word. When I look at the, the keynote speakers that we have this year, um, it, my, my perspective is that they really will allow us to, to sort of lift our heads up and adopt a more panoramic view of the work that we do and how it fits into society and, and sort of you'll see these intersections between um, higher ed and, and um, um, consumer goods and the consumer space and politics and social issues. And, um, and it really, I think, gives us an opportunity to think about our work in relationship to what's going on outside of higher ed, um, but then also to think about the ways in which we actually have an opportunity to influence um, this next generation and be a part of um, those who are having a, a tremendous influence on um, their outlook on the world and, and what the world will look like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, particularly excited about um, David Oxtoby, who is the President Emeritus of Pomona and a keynote that um, I worked on on securing. And um, as Paige said, this is one of those where it just happened to be fortuitous that um, he's coming to talk about um, his work in terms of thought leadership on DACA legislation and policy um, at a time when that conversation is very relevant and very current. Um, and so to be able to give attendees some practical tips for the ways that um, higher ed um, presidents can really participate in conversations like that um, when our political climate and, and sort of the nature of dialogue and, and the expectations for higher ed to participate in those conversations is, is extremely high. Um, and and the, the focus on these issues is, is one that um, I think is, is uh, really affecting our campus climates and, and people are expecting us to have something to say and to have a, a position and to be um, participating actively in these conversations about the future of, of this nation. And so I think he'll be able to really help us um, think about concrete ways that we can do that. And regardless of, of what level you are in the marketing organization within your institution, that there's a way that you can actually participate in, in strengthening the, the position on that. So I'm excited about that one in particular. Um, but yeah, just generally, I think the opportunity to really sort of situate our work in a larger context, and that's what they should do, um, and stimulate that thinking and, and ideas and conversation that will then take into those, those very specific sessions. And Paige, which keynote or keynotes are you most excited about? Mm -hmm. Well, um, and thinking about that question, I look back on on across all the keynotes, and it sounds silly, but for the first time, I realized that uh, because it's a very organic process getting keynotes lined up, and um, it's always um, a happy. Um, it's like sort of like a happy surprise at the end of what you get. But um, what I realized is um, other than um, the, the former president that Binti mentioned, that all the other speakers are from outside of higher ed. 
And so we're going to have that flavor from across a lot of different industries. Um, and I, I find that exciting because um, we want to avoid that temptation to become very insular and think that we're the only people that higher ed's the only industry that has these challenges or, you know, serves these audiences. And so um, I'm, I'm super excited to hear from the speaker from Coca-Cola. So they're sort of the original youth marketers, right? I mean, um, they've been talking to audiences like the prospective student audience that we talk to for decades. And um, what are they doing and what's their latest thinking about how to connect with, with that important audience? Um, I'm also, I have actually heard the Google speaker and he has a very compel compelling personal story about his um, educational journey and what that meant in his life. But he works for, you know, arguably the biggest tech company in the world. And um, what are, how are they thinking about um, the challenges of education? He's the education evangelist, but also how are they um, thinking about Generation Z, which is the next cohort coming into uh, colleges? And I've heard his talk and I think he's going to provide it um, some information that may be familiar, but through a, a new and fresh lens. So those are some things to watch for. Great. Well, I too am excited about Julie's breakout presentation. And before we get into some of that, Julie, could you give us uh, a little bit of context? I'm sure many are familiar with American University's brand campaign, but you've been there since 2014. So tell us about the evolution of that brand and the progress that you and your team have made since you arrived in 2014. Sure. Um, yeah, as you said, you know, the Want campaign launched in, in 2010. I was not here at the time. My predecessor, who had this office, um, was uh, really led that campaign along with Terry Flannery, of course, our VP. Um, you know, it launched in 2010 with really brand awareness and brand positioning goals. And when I joined in 2014, um, the university had just finished a stakeholder study. Um, to really see the effect of that campaign and it, it demonstrated quite strongly that the campaign was having the desired effect in terms of strengthening the established brand position, the brand pillars. Um, there were some real uh, goals set in terms of being a first choice institution as well as for alumni engagement. So um, our, our team since that time has really evolved to um, taking the campaign more specifically uh, to an impact level. Um, we've evolved it to really talk about graduates who are wonks, um, who are experts in their field now. And um, we had developed this sort of, um, we call it the Stories of Impact series of creative. And it focuses on both faculty and alumni, sometimes current students, but usually faculty and alumni, and allows them to tell their stories of how they are a wonk in their field and how they have made an impact um, on the world, which is something that um, all of our students talk about um, a lot as you know, meaning, making meaningful change. That's very important to, um, to our brand strength. Um, and I will also share, you know, the wonk, the Wonk brand is still very much alive. We just awarded uh, Malala Yousafzai with our Wonk of the Year Award. Uh, that was just uh, three weeks ago. And she came and spoke on campus. She was amazing and um, so inspiring and so genuine. And um, it was really an honor to spend um, an evening with her. Um, I'll also share that our students once again proved how sort of wonky they are um, in, the, in the sort of the, the old sense of the word being really politically active and um, socially uh, engaged um, in that way. Um, someone tweeted, this is what it must feel 
uh, like it must be feel like a big game day at another school um, <laughs> that Malala coming to American University Love that it. was kind of our our version of that which is exact the energy in the room was crazy um, we had these videos playing before Malala spoke of previous Monk of the Year speakers we had videos of you know Obama and Madeleine Albright and people were like cheering for you know a video of Madeleine Albright <laughs> appearing on the screen so um, we you know they are they are very politically active uh, you know we're, we're in the right place in DC so for sure that's outstanding so in terms of your presentation then on Marcom structures and interest, interested to hear about your structure at American University and, and then the partnership in terms of this presentation at AMA. So let's uh, let's hear a little bit about what uh, what we'll learn about from your session. Sure. So, um, you know, before I went down this road of uh, Chris Cormis from Georgetown University asked me to partner with her on this presentation, which I also thought was great to have um, people from two different universities. And honestly, quite honestly, uh, we are competitors uh, for some of our programs. And Chris and I have met through conferences. We see each other at AMA regularly. Um, and so um, the idea behind it was really to, to uh, launch a survey. So we surveyed um, AMA attendees from last year, we surveyed uh, members that of the ASCSB accreditation business schools, um, law schools, um, schools of engineering schools, public, private. Um, and so before we did this, I, you know, I'm very much in the central marketing team. So our, our organization is led by Terry Flannery, who's our vice president of communications. She reports, she's on the president's cabinet. She reports to uh, President Burwell. And then um, there are about 35 folks on our team. Um, and we really do lead the uh, communications efforts, branding, advertising, uh, video, social media, web for the university. Very traditional centralized model in that way. Um, but we work very closely, of course, with all of the schools on campus um, who have their own marketing teams. Some it's just uh, two people, some it's four, five, six people. So I think now in looking back at this, I would, I would, uh, reassess that we have what is called a hybrid model. Um, and that's something that has come through that the surveys where um, a lot of people talked about the hybrid model that they have and where they rely on central marketing for a set of resources or expertise um, and where they have their own marketing initiative at uh, within their within their school or college under the brand of the university and of course depending on the size of the institution that affects that depending on the resources smaller institutions just tend to be more centralized larger tend to be more decentralized but I think um, you'll see in our presentation there is not really a recommendation of one versus the other that um, there is a need it seems for for this hybrid for both that there are um, strengths and um, to be gained from having both a central unit and having um, school-based units as well, as long as they are working very closely together. So that's kind okay. of a the tease, I suppose. A good tease at that. Yeah, well, it's it's a topic I'm interested in as well, and have done a little bit of benchmarking across the Big Ten conference and some. Uh, fellow marketers at, at peer institutions there and uh, a couple of years ago when I reached out to Big Ten colleagues and not surprisingly you mentioned the, the bigger the institution the less centralized it will be and that's certainly the case across our 14 schools that everyone across the board is decentralized in terms of their marketing structure but what I found interesting is exactly to your point that five of them were in the process of exploring evaluating 
looking into how they could move towards a more of a hybrid model, not necessarily completely decentralized. That's probably right. not feasible, but to have better coordination, connection, or somewhere in between, as opposed to being 100% centralized. Yep. So how about bu budget implications? As you talk about that hybrid model, yeah. what does that mean for budgets and marketing spend and who controls what? Well, control is an interesting question. We didn't actually survey. We didn't survey that. You know, Chris and I talked about should we ask about budgets? And we we were quite we were actually a little concerned that people would back out of the survey if they were asked for that level of information. And we wanted to keep it not at a hey, we're you know we're comparing how much you spend, but really more about the structure. Um, I will say though, you know, through exploring this topic, of course, um, you know, and and I, I should add, Chris is. Uh, the um, assistant dean and CMO of the McDonough Business School, right? So there again, you know, she is really in this business school space and I'm in the central space. So that's also been very interesting for the two of us to explore this together. And we do come from different perspectives. And I think you'll see that in the presentation that there um, are, you know, she, she's got, um, we, we don't always completely agree in terms of um, maybe the, the approach that we would recommend. And I, that's part of the exploration of this. So, um, but you know there are efficiencies with centralized in terms of skill sets. You don't need a graphic designer in every school on campus. You don't need a copywriter in every school on campus, right? Um, media buying, um, obviously, you have more media buying power if you can do that through a central unit. Agency fees. Um, but you know we had a lot of respondents, of course, and as I said, we surveyed. Um, you know, business schools and law schools and um, schools of engineering schools, and a lot of those folks were, I think. 76% was our response rate of, we are quite happy with being decentralized and owning this. And, um, you know, so in terms of, of the cost implications of that, um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, it's not so much a, um, a financial cost or a resource cost, it would be the, the cost of the, the loss of the, the sense of ownership that they have over the brand. So that's really where the, the challenge lies is how do you um, build upon the strength of the individual school and the university together and leverage one another to um, leverage the resources but also leverage um, the brand strength of each of those to, you know, to raise the, the whole institution. It's interesting. So I, I did ask the budget question to uh, to Big Ten peers, but I, I yeah. didn't ask for dollar amount, but simply uh, at their institution, what percentage, if they knew the total marketing spend across the university and wrote a little bit about this in an inside higher ed piece last week, but wanted to know if they knew what percentage of total spend came from the center and not everyone did, but mm. those who did, it was about on average a fourth total marketing investment came from central marketing, which again, not necessarily a surprise when you're thinking of institutions right. of this size and scope, large publics. But at the same time, if, if one were to step back and, and design the ideal structure, it probably wouldn't be where you don't control 75% of the of the marketing spend. Yeah. So it's a yeah, I, it's a fascinating topic. So very much looking forward to uh, to your presentation, Julie. Thank you. I, I was just going to add one more thought in terms of the question that came up earlier about um, sort of experience at the conference. This is, you know, if um, people are still deciding whether to go or not, I guess. Um, although, you know, Paige looks like we're, you may not have more room for lots more people, but 
Um, uh, we'll, we will we'll take you even at right, the door. <laughs> um, so having come from, you know, I spent 15 years in entertainment marketing, went to many, many conferences and um, in the television space in particular. And the thing that struck me most when I went to my first AMA conference, and, and Binti touched on this, I think, is that sense of um, transparency and camaraderie. And I was, I came from such a highly competitive industry where when people presented, really they were presenting all their shiny best things and talking about how amazing it was and how they had won awards. And it was very much, um, there was sort of this sense of you presented to, to show something off. And I feel like at AMA, people present really to discuss and people are okay with showing their warts and their challenges and um, are looking for others to engage in that way and to really discuss and explore together how we can all move forward in this challenging space. Um, and that's really appreciated and, and truly what a conference should be, not a showcase um, for your, your awards. So I've, I've always appreciated that about this conference. Well, terrific. Well, before we, we wrap up, I'll ask Paige and, and Binti if there are any other sessions that are can't miss ones or ones that you have checkmarked, because I, I'm in the same boat that each time it's which which of these do I choose from? It's hard to uh, to pick and select the, the one when there's so many good ones. But do you have any others that you're particularly excited about or looking forward to attending? Yeah, Rob, I'm glad you asked that because there's something that I forgot to highlight. And so I'm going to plug it now. So um, on the third day, historically, we've had um, two extended sessions and a keynote. So we've re-swizzled the last day of the conference. And we think that it's going to be something um, ditter, best, boy, uh, better and um, more engaging. And that is we're having um, a storytelling workshop for all attendees on the third day. So it's a couple of hours. It's a team that's leading um, this storytelling hands-on, um, interact with people at your table kind of a session. We're excited to try something new and to um, have it provide something that all attendees can take away because it's not just for writers. Everybody, we're all telling a story, right? About our university, about its value, about um, its role in the community, about the students we serve, et cetera, et cetera. So whether you're telling the story through um, through writing, through um, visuals, through maybe you're the videographer, maybe you are the social media manager, um, through maybe you are in charge of the publications for the university, whatever. Um, we all play that role and um, we think this leader is gonna be able to help people tap into that storytelling um, mode, uh, regardless of, of what their role is. So something new to check out for sure. Um, I'm actually really excited about that session too, so much so that I actually I was planning to leave the conference early and I reshuffled re my schedule so that I could stay around and, and participate in that. So um, I think that's going to be a really exciting session. And um, a couple, uh, we've, we've spoken about several that, that I'm interested in, but um, two more that I'll, I'll name is um, one in the Engaging Audiences track. Um, the Stanford School of Engineering is uh, leading a workshop around um, diversity and inclusion in communications and how do you really integrate those concepts into um, the design and, and editorial strategy um, and, and thinking about um, it not just as a, a sort of topic or an initiative, but actually as a way of approaching um, their work um, with, a, with a different lens. And so I think that will be 
um, interesting and, and relevant for, for many uh, um, institutions who are sort of, you know, immersed in these discussions about what diversity and inclusion actually means um, on their campuses and for their, their uh, constituents. Um, and then another, I'll make a plug for uh, St. Edwards. Um, oh, thank you, Vinci. Yes, because <laughs> she's too <laughs> modest to do it herself. Um, but they have what looks like just an absolutely fascinating um, session and one that really, I think, is a great example of innovation in higher ed where um, they will talk about their partnership with the Smithsonian, um, I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, with the Atlantic, the Atlantic, but the Smithsonian one is actually another one that I'm interested in, but their partnership with the Atlantic and in terms of thinking about um, digital content and a new approach to, to actually restructuring their newsroom um, to, to mirror the kind of work that, that we see going on in, um, in, in you know, the, the leaders in sort of the digital publishing industry. And so I think that's going to be really exciting. And then the third one that I, I sort of forecast as well was um, that the Smithsonian Institution Institute is going to um, demonstrate, uh, uh, sort of delve into a campaign, a fundraising campaign that they did. Um, and I think it would be great to, to sort of see um, where there are parallels and, and um, inspiration from the uh, museum and sort of how we can take some of their lessons and approaches and strategies and apply them to higher ed. So mm -hmm. those are three that are on my list. So much to look forward to. I can't wait. So thank you, Paige. Thank you, Binti. And thank you, Julie, for sharing your time and experiences and for your contributions that I'm sure will make this year's conference great. So thanks so much. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. See you As all always, in Atlanta. Yes, see you yes. in Atlanta. Bye-bye. <laughs> And thanks as well to our sponsor, M. Stoner, for making it, making Marketing Live possible each and every month. Thanks as well to AMA for partnering for today's episode, the American Marketing Association. A final reminder to be sure to check out this episode and other episodes. You can subscribe to the Higher Ed Live newsletter and get updates each and every Monday on upcoming broadcasts. And certainly subscribe to the Higher Ed Live podcast. And we'll be uh, tackling another interesting topic next month after the AMA about breaking down silos in higher education and the implications for marketing leaders. I'm Rob Zinkin. Thanks again for tuning in to Marketing Live on the Higher Ed Live Network. And see you at AMA Higher Ed.